get to the word on this morning. Somebody came to hear a word, amen? Amen. Let's turn to 2 Chronicles chapter 20. I would ask you to stand to read the word, but we got a lot of text to read today, so I'm going to let you stay seated so y'all don't leave by the time I'm done with this text on it. 2 Chronicles, excuse me. I did say 2 Chronicles, right? All right, 2 Chronicles chapter 20. It happened after this that the people of Moab with the people of Ammon and others with them besides the Ammonites came to battle against Jehoshaphat. Then some came and told Jehoshaphat, saying, A great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, from Syria. And they are in Hazazan Tamar, which is in Gedi. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. So Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord and from all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord, God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? And do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations? And in your hands is there not power and might so that no one is able to withstand you? Are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend forever? And they dwell in it. And have built you a sanctuary in it for your name, saying, if disaster comes upon us, sword, judgment, pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this temple and in your presence, for your name is in this temple, and cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear and save. And now. Here are the people of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them and did not destroy them. Here they are, rewarding us by coming to throw us out of your possession, which you have given us to inherit. O our God! Will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us. Nor do we know what to do. We don't know what to do. But our eyes are upon you. Oh Lord. Our title today, beloved, is What to Do When You Don't Know What to Do. What to do when you don't know what to do. 
Now here in the text, it would seem that King Jehoshaphat did not know what to do about the situation that he and the children of Israel found themselves in. The reports reach him that the kingdom of Ammon and Moab, Moab and Mount Seir had decided that the children of Israel did not have the right to breathe the same air as them. So they all thought that they could join together and wipe them off the face of the planet. So these kingdoms banded together and combined their forces and began to advance on the children of Israel. Militarily speaking, there was no way possible that the army of the children of Israel could defend against such an overwhelming force. They were too outnumbered. Jehoshaphat the king said in verse 12, he said, For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do. Now, how many of you are willing, because you have to be willing to admit this sometimes, but how many of you are willing to admit that sometimes in life, you can be presented with a situation or situations that you don't know what to do? Now, I have to admit for a while now with all of the the chaos that seems to be happening around us and as we look to an uncertain future that we've all, all of us had to deal with the same feelings that King Jehoshaphat was dealing with in our text. There are so many things that seem to be coming against us, trying to assault our peace and steal our joy, all of it seeming to crash in on us at once. I hate looking at the news sometimes. But I feel that if you don't look at it at least for a while, it makes me at least feel like I'm an ostrich sticking my head in the sand when I don't look at it. You see, in order to know what's going on, we have to stare the beast in the eye. You can't be afraid to stare the beast in the eye, just don't stare too long. But at times, the scope and scale of all of the pain and the anger and the despair sometimes makes me feel like Jehoshaphat felt. That we have no power against this great multitude of despair and insanity that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do. Every day seems to serve up a fresh batch of insanity. Even this past week, the Supreme Court decided to outlaw affirmative action in universities, using the delusional and insensitive argument that it's unfair to those that didn't benefit from it while ignoring the system that made affirmative action necessary in the first place. There was a reason we needed it. 
One of the justices who should have understood because he himself is quite possibly a beneficiary of affirmative action even went as far as to say that he holds out enduring hope that this country will live up to its principles so clearly enunciated in the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution of the United States that all men are created equal, are equal citizens, and must be treated equally before the law. Now, historically, in most cases, that hope that he spoke of hasn't fully been realized. It hasn't been realized when it comes down to seeing how many young black unarmed children are being shot down in the street by police. Or how 19.5% of black families are proportionately living below the poverty line. Or the fact that 67% of black children are born into single-parent households. Or how, how African Americans make up 12% of our population that make up 33% of the prison population. Now there are some that believe that black folks are just genetically predisposed to criminal tendencies and base animalistic desires, and that's why things are the way that they are in our communities, but we know that that isn't true, don't we? There's been a reason for all of that, but it's hard to know what to do. This week, the same Supreme Court also struck down student loan forgiveness, the student loan forgiveness program. Now, whether these two decisions were right or wrong, time will tell, but I can tell you that there are probably some people in this room now or some people online that are trying to figure out how they are going to pay off their student loans. You fought one war to graduate from college. Now you got to fight another war just to be able to figure out how you're going to pay for college in an increasingly shrinking job market. It's hard to know what to do. There seems to be a widening gap between those on each side of the political divide. It's almost like we're in on 4th of July, we're almost going to be celebrating the divided states of America. The way some people have chosen to deal with this anxiety is to create their own reality and rage against the facts that are before them. They create their own narrative in which they are both hero and victim. How do you be both of those two things at once? No matter what they are shown and what the facts say, they hold obsessively to their view of reality and they will burn the world down because they agree with that narrative. There seems to be so much anger and hatred in the air. So much us versus them out there. They've become increasingly violent, forgetting that we are all Americans. It seems that every other week we're hearing about another mass shooting. It happens so much nowadays that we can't even keep track. 
It doesn't even make it to the top of the news cycle anymore. We almost don't even notice it anymore. How many of you know just last night there was a shooting in Baltimore? Oh, I didn't even know that. But more and more we are being faced with situations that are proving to us that there are no quick answers to the issues we are facing in our world and in our society these days, and we don't know what to do. We don't know how to answer the woes of our nation. We don't know. And even in the middle of all of that, we can't forget that there are things that are happening in all of our lives personally in which we don't know what to do. Problems and situations that we're facing in all of our lives in which we cannot easily find a solution to and that we don't know the answer. Your bills come up to here but your money only comes up to here. Or the nurse calls and tells you that you need to come back to the doctor's office because we need to discuss the results of your biopsy. I'm like, hey, yo, if you got good news, just tell me right now, you know what I'm saying? But if they tell you you got to come in, well, you know, that's a long drive to the doctor's office. It's hard to know what to do. You're facing problems in your marriage. You two look at each other and don't even like each other. Your marriage has become a business arrangement used to ensure security as you go into your old age. No affection, no tenderness, no romance, no passion, no real intimacy. You wonder how did you find yourself in this predicament and with this person and how much longer can you stay in this situation? You don't know what to do. Or you look at your children struggling to find themselves in a changing culture and environment and the advice that you were given when you were younger doesn't seem to be relevant. Or if it is relevant, your children are simply not listening to you. You want to connect with them, but you look at them and you no longer know who they are. You don't know what to do. You find yourself facing a hostile work environment where the people are taking your ideas and trying to diminish your influence and your contributions. Or you find out that someone who you thought was a friend has been somehow betraying you and maneuvering behind you and hating on you behind your back. You don't know what to do. Now, it can be tough because as a man, I was always taught by my culture that a man always knows what to do. You see, not knowing what to do signifies that you are not in control of your circumstances, that you are at the mercy of your situation. But there has been so much change that it seems that the world has been completely turned upside down. It's hard for people to know where they stand and where their place is in the world now. 
It brings about a particular kind of stress and anxiety, a, a particular kind of malaise. When I see everything going on out there, both with all this strife and turmoil, both man-made and brought about by nature because we just saw a series of hurricanes and tornadoes that ravaged the Midwest and the Southeast. I have to admit that we of ourselves do not know exactly what to do to make things better or to make these issues go away. If the answers were easy, if there were easy answers, then we would have found them and done what we needed to do, but there are no easy answers as to how to deal with the issues that are facing us now, are there? Now, although we've titled this sermon, What to Do When You Don't Know What to Do, and Jehoshaphat said he didn't know what to do, he knew exactly what to do in this situation. Look at your neighbor and say, he knew exactly what to do. <laughs> it says it right here in the word. First, Jehoshaphat feared and he was afraid, which is completely natural to finding out that hundreds of thousands of killers have now decided to come kill you and all of your people. I would be afraid too, no matter how good I could fight. I would still be a little concerned that this many brothers was coming to take us out. It's a natural response. But then he sought the Lord. Amen. Which incidentally is the best thing that you could do in any situation. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. And then next, Jehoshaphat called for all of Israel to go on a fast. Now, the world doesn't understand, but that is also one of the best things that you could do in any situation. Fasting helps you move the things aside that you, don't, that you think you need, but that you really don't need. It helps you hear God's voice more clearly. It strengthens your discipline and your resolve. We could all stand to do more fasting. I love when consecration comes around. We might need to think about doing it a little bit more. Amen. I know I could probably use a little bit more fasting every now and then, praise the Lord. I know I'm not alone. But the next thing, the next thing he did was pray like he never prayed before. In his prayer, he recalled what God had done in the past, and what God had said in the past, and what God had promised Abraham and his people, and who he said he would be to them. He said, O Lord, God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? And do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations? It's almost like challenging God. And in your hand, is there not power and might? I mean, is there not power? Are you not God the creator? Are you? You are, right? 
so that no one is able to withstand you? Are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend forever? And they dwell in it and have built you a sanctuary in it for your name, saying, if disaster comes upon us, sword, judgment, pestilence, or famine, we will stand before you in this temple and in your presence, for your name is in this temple, and cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear and say, it's right there in the word. When you don't know what to do in any given situation, just remember what and who God said he would be in his word. Charles and Julian know. They'd be like, that's why I try not to say so much stuff because they'll come back to me and say, you said that you would take me to get a new video game. I'd be like, oh. okay, get in the car, let's go. But they remember what I said. They remember the promises that I made. So guess what? When they remind me of a promise, I got to fulfill my promise. Jehoshaphat then assessed their situation and the intentions of their enemies. Second Chronicles 10 and 20. I mean, Second Chronicles chapter 20 and 10. And now. Here are the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir. Here they come, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them and did not destroy them. Here they are, rewarding us for our kindness by coming to throw us out of your possession and exterminate us. Now, what Jehoshaphat did next was very, very important. What he did next was he appealed to God to act, and then he acknowledged his helplessness. He acknowledged the fact that he did not know what to do. Second Chronicles 20 and 12, O our God, Will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude. My beloved, we have no power against all of the craziness and insanity that the world is throwing at us. My brother, my sister, you of yourself have no power to single-handedly deal with all of the circumstances that life is throwing at you, nor do you know what to do. But our eyes are upon you, Lord. Make the decision to put your eyes on him. And then all of a sudden, then they heard the promise of the word of the Lord. God said, listen, all of you, Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem, and you, King Jehoshaphat. This is the next part. Thus saith the Lord to you, do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not 
yours. I'm speaking to somebody's situation on today. Do not be afraid of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. God told them to position themselves and what? Stand still. Just chill, boo. It's all good. He said tomorrow go down against them. See, you, you do have to show up for the fight. Be dressed for the fight. Have your armor, your gear, everything all ready. Show up for the fight. Go down against them. They will surely come out by the ascent of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. You will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourselves and stand still and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them for the Lord is with you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord is with you. Now, I don't know about you, but that's about all that I would need to hear in that situation. Somebody give the Lord praise on today. But it seems like no one wants to be told what to do anymore. They say it's being too preachy. But sometimes you need to be told what to do. If you're in trouble, sometimes you need to be told how to get out of trouble. Traffic lights and stop signs are there for a reason. To tell you what to do. You don't get mad at the traffic light or the stop sign. They're there for your benefit for your safety, to keep you safe. If you're sick, you want the doctor to tell you what to do to get well. Sometimes you need to be told what to do. Well, I'm about to tell you flat out what to do. They say it's being preacher. I've said it before. If it's being preachy, don't. I'm sorry, I don't care. I'm a preacher. So I can get a little preachy because, you know, preacher, preacher. But here it is. Pay attention. Y'all listening? I'm about to tell you what to do. If you're at a place where you don't know what to do in your life, then you need to put your eyes on him. You need to get in relationship with Almighty God and stay there, and he will tell you exactly what you need to do to deal with the situation or the hell that you are in, even if you put yourself there. And that's what you should do. On the wall of my house next to my door, there's a a scripture that Lady Deandra put up there. I thought it was cute a little trite when she first did it. She was like, hey, look at this. I put this. I was like, yeah, all right, that's cool, yeah, scripture. But in the middle of all of this insanity, one night when I was pacing through my house late one night, full of stress, 
full of anxiety. While she and the boys were asleep, I was stressing about what to do about all of this mess and insanity happening. I was stressing about what to do, and I walked by, because I'm pacing throughout my house, I walked by that door, and that scripture jumped out at me and just hit me right in my stomach. It smashed right into me. It was Psalm 91, and it reads, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in Him will I trust. Surely He shall deliver you from the snare and the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with his feathers. Under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and your buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord who is my refuge, even the most high your dwelling place, no evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague Come near your dwelling, for he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all of your ways. In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. You shall tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent. You shall trample underfoot. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him and set him on high because he has known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him with long life. I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Oh, somebody give the Lord praise on today. Hallelujah. Oh, give the Lord praise on today. Hallelujah. Glory, glory, glory. My brothers and sisters, that means no matter what is going on out there in the world and in your life, if you put your trust, your heart, your hand in God's hand, he will protect you better than any army or big bank account ever could. The safest place in the world is smack dab in the middle of his spirit, in the middle of his will for your life. He never promised us that there would never be storms in our lives and in the world today, but he promised that he would never leave us. He promised that he would be our refuge and our fortress. He promised. He promised that he would cover us with his wings, that he would be our shield, 
Now, even though we might not remember because it was so far back in our history, God has brought us through much more terrible times in our past in this nation. If we believe that our God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore, then we have to know that even if they take all affirmative action away, that if he brought us through those times before, that he can and will bring us through these times. Like Jehoshaphat, our prayer to him can be, O Lord, God of our fathers. Are you not God in heaven? And do you not rule over all of the kingdoms and nations? And in your hand is there not power and might so that no one is able to stand against you? Are you not our God who sustained us when we had nothing but pain in this land? When we were slaves in this land? Through everything that this world has done to crush our spirits and steal our joy, you have sustained us all of this time. Like Joseph, you have blessed us in the land of our captivity. And in these changing times, Lord, we know that it is only you that can sustain us. It is not by might, nor by power, but by your spirit that we will come through these times as we have come through dark times in the past. We thank you that this battle is yours. We know that all we have is you, but we know that you, Lord, is all that we will ever need. And even now, Lord, though we don't know what the future holds, we know that it is you who holds the future. So we look to you who is our salvation. Oh, somebody give the Lord praise on today. Somebody give the Lord praise on today. Hallelujah. When we are faced with uncertainty, and we will be faced with uncertainty, just remember that our God knows what to do. We may not know what to do, but our God knows what to do. He is a help in times of trouble. He is the way when there is no way. You see, in the end, when, when God let the children of Israel actually see that the battle was not theirs to fight. He sent a wave of confusion through the camp of that combined force that had come against them and they destroyed each other to the last man. God's people did not have to throw one blow. They didn't have to swing one sword. They did not have to loose one arrow. They just had to keep their eyes on the Lord and position themselves to see the victory because the battle was not theirs to fight in the first place. It was all God's. They just had to position themselves and be still and know. Oh, let's give the Lord another praise on this morning. In Isaiah 54 and 7, God says to us, no weapon formed against you shall prosper and every tongue that rises against you in judgment you shall condemn this is the heritage of the servants of the lord let all of the servants of the lord give him praise hallelujah be strong and of good courage do not fear nor be afraid of them for the lord your god he is the one that goes with you he will not leave you 
or forsake you. The Lord shall preserve you from all evil. He shall preserve your soul. The Lord shall preserve your going out and your coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. 2 Corinthians 4 says, We are hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, yet not in despair. I don't know, care what's coming against you. Even if you don't know what to do, just keep your eyes on him. Oh, somebody give him praise on this morning. You don't have to wait until the battle is over. You can shout now. You don't have to wait until the battle is over. You can give him praise now. In the name of Jesus, we have the victory. Tell me who can stand before us when we call on that great name. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, we have the victory. Give him praise for the victory. Hallelujah. Oh, everybody stand up and give him praise on this morning. I'm done. Everybody in the house of the Lord standing. Tell me who can stand before us when we call on that great yourself and say, I have the victory. Oh, oh, oh. Tell me who can stand before us when we call on come to the most important time of our service, the time of the realization of the victory of, the, of God's power, of the triumph that he has promised all of us. If there is anyone that is dealing with an issue, a situation in which you do not have all of the answers for, you don't know what to do, Saved or unsaved, come down to this altar. Hallelujah. I need to be down here too because there are certain situations that I don't know what to do. If that is you, if there is a circumstance or a situation in your life, in your world, in your relationships, in your involvement, in your, even in your children's life that you don't know what to do, come on down here. We want to pray with you. We want to stand with you. You need to know that you are not alone. Come on down here. 